You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and remote workers, and the only podcast of its kind. Quick shout out to our Sis J Hill Marketing, who allows us to be on the air. If you're looking for an editing house with a kick, the kick being that the art of storytelling and writing is not lost on the reader, please reach out at jhillmark.com. That's two L's. Brian King is the mindset king, beset with multiple conditions and raising three boys with their own challenges. Every time he is on the show, he blows me away. He's back today to talk about life after his multiple sclerosis diagnosis, Selma Blair, and how the heck to get off the work too much, flare too much roller coaster, or just slow down the dang ride. Please welcome my friend and illustrious guest, Brian King. Wow, you've got me blushing. Way to start off, Hillary. <laughs> Are you sure you're not flaring? Yeah, you know what? It might be a little bit of that too. <laughs> we know how to hold each other and check with that. Now we're like, how are you doing? Are you red? How, what's the color on your, your fingers? Okay. Uh, my face is bright red, so I know something's going on. All right. Well, let's just be mellow as we go through this. How have you been? Um, we haven't had you on for a while, but particularly I want to talk about how you've been since your MS diagnosis. Well, I was diagnosed about 18 months ago. And mm -hmm. it's it's one of those gifts that just keeps on surprising. You know, oh, it's nice. it's so ubiquitous throughout my system that's anytime something comes up, anytime there's a symptom, is that the MS? Is it something else? Oh my goodness, should I be worried? And so <laughs> well, my puppies just saw my kitty. Life happens, right? <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, after a while, after you're done being hyper about every little thing, you realize that you know not everything is urgent, not everything is an emergency. A lot of these things just come and go, and you mm -hmm. you kind of learn to ride it. You know, there are some of the things like the pain or the fatigue that can lay you up, you know, for yeah. for the day, for days, and those are the things that are really important to manage. And once you've got those things under control, it's amazing how productive you can be. Yeah, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Because so your MS diagnosis comes on top of, of a litany of other diseases that you yeah, had. I'm, I'm a bit of a collector of diagnoses. And this oh, isn't this something is I signed up for either. It's just <laughs> something that life kind of gifted me with. Have you thought about having a different habit? Like maybe sometimes we have to look and say, is this habit good for me? Yeah, someone someone told me that I should get a hobby and I don't think this is what anybody remotely had in mind. You know, I'm starting to rethink golf, thinking I really need to trade this in for that. Okay, let me tell you what. Golf is really hard. And so ah, for all those guys make it look easy, huh? Oh, they really do. They make it look easy, exactly. So you, but you're you become a master of living with. I don't want to say limitations. I will say adaptations. You know, you become a, a master of that in your work and in your life. And you know what I'm talking about when it comes to the roller coaster. Oh yeah, and every day, and I, I really give credit to the people that can wake up every morning and say, okay, I'm going to plan my day and I'm going to be consistent. And every single day I'm going to do the same things. And until I wake up in the morning, I'm not entirely sure what my body is going to let me do. Yeah. So yeah. I often have to modify things on the fly. So you have MS, mm -hmm. you have EDS, right. correct? Right. Okay. I'm trying to get all your diseases right. Like I'm spinning the wheel over here. Like, what is it? Yeah, I got polycythemia. I've got chronic kidney disease. Uh, then there's the ADHD and the mm -hmm. the dyslexia just to keep things interesting. Well, and you have to because, you know, it, you'll never be a vanilla latte. Especially because I'm a chocolate guy. I know. Like you're the richest 
chocolatiest beverage. Yeah, you know they what I say mean? Like, dark chocolate is good for you. Well, stand back, sister. <laughs> king chocolate. Oh God, yes. Have you had king it's, chocolate? It's it's the richest, and it'll bring out all kinds of deep hidden, <laughs> you know, impulses or whatever. <laughs> I think your dog wants to be on the show. My dog wants to go to the bathroom, but she can wait. Oh, okay. Yeah, we had a similar situation yesterday. Yesterday was like the day from hell with pets. I was like, it, it was ridiculous. So I hear you. Sometimes it's like, just chill out, man. Um, you know, I want to segue into talking about Selma Blair. She's been all over the news, Facebook, everywhere else lately. And I... It was very moved by her video. It was very emotional for me to uh, watch it. I do not have the affliction that she has, nor do you, but that doesn't mean it can't develop over time. Right. I do get um, a numb throat, which makes it feel like I can't breathe. And so then I start panicking a lot until I pop a, a cough drop, and then my body's like, oh, this is supposed to happen. Okay, great. So particularly as it comes to Selma Blair, let's talk about the notion that she is brave. Cause that's kind of in my, it's kind of yeah, in my cry. I loved your post about that. There's a, a young lady. I think she's since passed away. If my news is correct. She had a uh, osteogenesis imperfecta. So she was very small. She was maybe about three feet tall and in a wheelchair and her, her bones were kind of twisted about. But she did a TED Talk in which she said, I am not your inspiration. Yes. And she was adamant about that. She says, I shouldn't be given credit because I live my life. Yes. You know, the the people that call us an inspiration, and, and I, I resent that when people say that to me. Not, not resented in that, like, a, a how dare you, but I feel like I've taken two steps back in my self-advocacy when someone calls me yeah. an inspiration, because my thought is, don't be inspired, hire me. Yeah. Give me business, <laughs> you know? That's what I want. But, it, it, go ahead. It's so true. And, you know, and I think that there are heroes in our world, you know, and they are the EMTs, and they are the soldiers, the, the and they are the The, the heroes right? are the ones that act in opposition to their human instincts. Thank you. You know, the building's on fire. Everybody else is running out. Oh, I'm going in. Hey, yes. that guy is shooting, duck and cover. Nah, we got to go up there, confront him and stop him. Those are heroes. Right. Yes. Not somebody that gets up every morning and, and goes to work and raises their family. And just because they do it with a body that, may have a great deal more obstacles than you have. It doesn't make me a hero. It just makes me determined. Thank you. I think that is the word that we want to use going forward. It doesn't make her brave. It makes her determined. And the other thing that it highlighted for me was we have such a long way to go in terms of being accepted by society and the statistics on mental illness and disability are staggering. Oh, and they're yeah, just, they're getting even bigger. Yes. Yes. So let me tell you what, like, and I'm not going to be the harbinger of doom, but I kind of am a little bit. So if, <laughs> if you're not affected today, do everything in your, in your just everything possible to take care of your body, do everything possible to use your body because sometimes you won't even have a choice. Like you'll just be, oh, all right, this is me before cancer, this is me after cancer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't have a choice, right? Absolutely. But yeah, I've had cancer too, by the way. Had that when I was oh, had that when I was eighteen. Well, you got that out of the way. Thank goodness. Get out of the way early. That's my recommendation. <laughs> That is not the cancer recommendation. Holy shit. Hey, I'm saying we, we got we to gotta be able to laugh about these things or they will swallow us whole. Yeah, we do. We really do. 
And so let's talk about this roller coaster. Now, hey, we, didn't finish, dead, we didn't finish with Selma Blair and being heroic. Oh, well, shit. See, and that's my fibro fog. So let's go. <laughs> hey, that's why I, you can be foggy. I will drink my coffee and I'll be sharp enough for the two of us. Hell yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about Selma Blair. So I feel like there's a long way to go in society. And it was not as a person who is disabled and ill. I didn't enjoy the comments from Robin Roberts. I didn't enjoy that banter. Well, I, I don't I wasn't listening to her as much as I was listening to Selma. Is yeah. whenever somebody is diagnosed, and I don't know if this is true for you, whenever somebody is diagnosed with something that I'm diagnosed with, I immediately see a kindred spirit. Yes, because I see true. somebody who gets it or is yep. in the process of getting it, depending on where they are in their emotional and psychological journey. But mm -hmm. from what I've learned about Selma, you know, I always question when an actor or actress comes on to talk about something because you have to wonder about whether you're seeing the actor or you're seeing the person. And I honestly think if you follow some on Instagram, you will see much more of the person on Instagram than you did in that interview. That's amazing. She is much more raw and vulnerable on social media. She talks about the day she falls apart and people hold her up and the, you know, the conversation she has with her son about this and her boyfriend. So if you want to know how she's doing, that's the best place to go. Yeah. I mean, I think what people misinterpret brave for, like you said, determined, but it really, it, it's all, about, you can't hide anymore. We have to stop hiding in our houses. We have to stop not doing things. We have to stop not living our lives. But that's not brave. That's determined, as you've mm -hmm. said. And so I really want us to just push that envelope. It's not going to be comfortable. You know that. You and I both know that. When I go to the airport and I'm wheeled around all over the place and people are looking me up and down and assessing in three seconds, is she injured visibly? What's the matter with her? Um, is she faking? Is she, you know, assessing? And it is going to happen. It's going to happen at Target. It's going to happen at the grocery store. It's going to happen. And you have to not give a shit and do it anyways. Yeah, other people's judgment does nothing to further your goals. Yeah. It's, you know, that, that old saying that whatever people think of you is none of your business. Yeah, I love and that. And that is never more Seriously. applicable than when you're out at Walmart. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and when you're wearing like a, like a top that's made out of the oranges bag. Have you seen that one? I was like, wow. Well, after your description, I'm afraid to. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's very orange and it's very mesh. Let's just put it that well, way. I do not have the figure for an outfit like that, let me tell you. Well, I don't think anybody does unless you're a zygote. I already look like know? a bag of oranges. I don't need to go wear that. <laughs> you look like a bag of oranges. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there. I already there. did, so we got it covered. We got it covered. Okay. So, but the point is to push yourself to live your life and to forget about the judgment. And if you don't understand what Brian said, what other people think of you is none of your business. If you don't understand that, then I want to invite you to reflect on the fact that maybe you need to learn what that means. Well, what it essentially means is we are not put on this planet to be people pleasers. No. We're not constantly no. checking in with other people to say, how did I do? Did I look bad? What, what, did I just embarrass myself? You know, that... What other people are thinking probably has a heck of a lot more to do with them than it has to do with you anyway. So. Uh, absolutely. It highlights their insecurities immediately. Mm -hmm. Their biases, and their prejudices. You were talking about the airport. Sometimes mm -hmm. you know, that lengthy conversation isn't the first thing that enters my mind sometime, or their mind. Sometimes they'll just look at you and say, oh, that poor man or that poor lady oh looks so young. I wonder what happened. And what they do is they look at us with pity and immediately inside low expectations. Low expectations and they compartmentalize too. And so I think they do that to get distance between themselves and any other affliction. They're not like me. Oh, so heavens yes. Here. And they think of all these reasons why they'll never end up like us. Yep, exactly. 
Exactly. It's like they want the secret. Give us the secret of your disability so that we'll never tap into it. Mm -hmm. How do I avoid being you? I don't mean to be rude. Yeah. I don't mean to, I'm just wondering. You know? Oh my God. Let's get shirts and just hand them out as we go forward. You know, and the other thing is, I think that sometimes people are jealous because I'm telling you what. If you want to get to your flight on time, get your ass in a wheelchair. Well, and let's be honest, we do get the best parking. Oh my God, we really do. And I just want to say to everybody listening, F off. No, I'm kidding. I'm well, not and, and, and I'm not a cusser <laughs> at all, but I just got to say, we earn that shit every day. All right. With yeah, what we go through, we, we earn that parking. It is yeah, not a luxury, absolutely. it is a necessity. And when we're in that parking, that means we're having one of the better days because we can actually leave the house. Yeah. And the way I walk on the way in is not going to be the way I'm walking on the way out. No, I know. Sure. Exactly. No, it makes such a difference. So, and speaking of pushing ourselves, so running a business and being a father and being a husband and trying to juggle all of the body craziness I would say the body crazy making because it makes us crazy. Yes, it does. Um, you are finding that that roller coaster has gone from like, I'm trying to think of the name of a roller coaster. It's like the wild thing or oh, something. Oh, they all talk as that. far as I'm concerned. I'm not going to any of them. Yeah, I, I used to, but there's no way now I'd be like, well, I have to go back in the MRI machine. That's no, my, my head is kind of like one of those little bobble things on the dashboard. Because with the EDS, my my neck joints are pretty loose. Oh yes, and I just oh, I got to yes. be really careful with what I do with my head. I hear you. I uh, don't want to herniate a fourth disc. So, yeah, yeah. You're already an over. We're not going to that department. You're done. I'm over my limit. Yes. I take Easily. too much. <laughs> so, but going from the wild thing, and now you're going to like a a kitty kitty roller coaster or kitty ride because you're learning how to adapt your illness and your business and your life and you're reducing the severity of those hills and valleys so share with us what's made a difference in your life radical simplicity awesome people overcomplicate things i got people that i love and adore that got their 10 steps for this and their 20 steps for that and I say, yeah. man, are you making it harder than it needs to be? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In what ways? Well, the, the fact of the matter is you don't need to do 20 steps for anything. You need to do one or two steps and you need to do them consistently. And the difference is clarity. Okay. How clear are you on what you are trying to accomplish? On an experiential level, do you want someone to feel seen? Okay, you only need to do one thing to accomplish that. And we talked a little so, bit before we started recording in the world of diminishing attention spans. I'm telling you, <laughs> people are not going to buy in to, to 10 and 20 steps. They, they don't do it anymore. They're like, oh, I don't have time for that. Oh, I don't have the bandwidth. And I love how people are incorporating digital terminology into their, their worldview. I don't have the bandwidth. I don't, I don't have, I don't have room or they say nobody's inspired anymore. Everybody got a download. I got a universal download today. It's just so inspiring. And I love them seeing this. They're like, really? Is that really what's happening? You're now a microchip on top of a body. Is that what you are now? We're, we're losing our humanity by incorporating those terms. We got to be careful, you know, but yeah, we do. Yeah. I, do I think from moment to moment, you know, I, I understand the people that, set these long-term goals and and i see the value in that i have some goals but the reality is from moment to moment i have to ask myself what can i give what can i give right now can i help somebody see their one step closer to confidence you know or one step further to self-acceptance what do i need to do to accomplish that and then i put that out there so that's how i think and when you think in terms of what are you about? Why am I here? What's my purpose? What is my business about? Okay, let me put something out there that's in service of that one thing. 
And then I can step back and reflect, do some self-care, whatever I need to do. You know, I think that goes back to value. Ah, yes. It really does. Like, there, so there's a mix of one value. If you're providing that value and just keep a freaking word. That's all I got to do. Just keep your freaking word. You'll be in business forever. I'm not even kidding. And two, then it's being honest with yourself about kind of identifying every single situation and every single person has triggers. Maybe you have allergies. Uh, you know, maybe you overdo it in some way, shape, or form regularly. And so, you know, um, like you mentioned, you can't walk into a store the same way you walk out. Okay, so you've got to watch that. So if you're running errands that day, and when I say errands, I mean one. If you're running yeah. errands and you that day. you put a day. lot of thought into that too. Is it really worth leaving the house for? <laughs> Can I do it without I, running in? Is there any chance they're going to come out to me? Yes, exactly. Um, there's a couple of different kinds of errands when you're sick. There's the going into the store errand where you actually have to leave the car, and there's the drive-through errand. Which one can you do today? And when I leave my car to go into some place, it's almost like you're in the deep end of the pool, and you've just decided to let go of the side, and you're <laughs> swimming out a little bit and hoping to hell you don't have a cramp. That's how <laughs> it feels. It's such a commitment, isn't it? It's like, okay, I'm going to get in this head. Where's the lifeguard? Have they seen me? Should I flash him a look? Let them know I'm out here? I'm here. Don't take your eyes off me, you (laughs) underpaid teenage person. Exactly. Exactly. So, Because I just heard that Walmart cut a ton of their greeters. Yeah, and they're going to make us do even more of the work which is super great, which is super helpful. So going back to balance, I think the first thing to do and see if you agree with this is to identify what is triggering you. And in order to do that, you need brutal self-honesty. Self-honesty and self-compassion. Self-compassion, there we go. So brutal self-honesty and brutal self-compassion at the same time, meaning that why don't you explain to people what you mean by that? Well, self-compassion is looking at yourself tenderly and without judgment. So you give yourself permission to be vulnerable as opposed to yeah. cursing yourself out because darn it again, you know, you shouldn't be slacking off like this. You should be able to push through it. Come on, you're, you're better than this. And it sounds like a pep talk in theory, but the reality yeah. is, is you're judging yourself and criticizing yourself. And that's not the stuff that resilience is made of. No, we can't apply these standard pep talks to ourselves either. So what would it sound like if you're talking lovingly and tenderly to yourself when you're coming up against a wall? Well, I'll say to myself basically, okay, what, what is this telling you? Is this telling you that you're tired? Is this telling you that you are in pain? Okay. What do we want to do with this? Do we want to be good to ourselves? Do we want to sit down and take a break? Or it's okay. Permission is a big part of self-compassion. It's it's okay to sit down and take a breather. There are no emergencies. And that's another thing. Mm -hmm. I have had to get rid of clients that were very dramatic and always having emergencies because there's no room for crisis in self-care. So I get rid of all the crisis mongers so that when I need to take a break, I can take it without guilt. Like I'm letting somebody down by not having my hand on the receiver of the bat phone, you know? And yeah, and this is not, and this is what I was telling Catherine the other day, you know, this, nobody is going to die in these businesses. We're going to accomplish things as quickly and efficiently as we possibly can. It also helps to, I like to have a plan B built into my plan A. Plan B? You're optimistic. Yeah. You sure that's enough? (laughs) It usually is because I have other people that I can, like Catherine has the go ahead to be me. 
She can literally be me when I'm well, like, I'm done. If, I need if, you to jump like in. You and can afford cloning technology, then fine. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go on the cloning machine. I think my husband would be like, hey, I did not sign up for this. You know, and I have to tell you, when it comes to commitment, that man could get married before he could join a family cell phone plan. That it was the crazy. It was the crazy. Well, we all have our strengths and challenges, don't we? I know. I was like, "Are you sure you're ready for this? It's a big deal, you know. It's a big deal." Oh, yeah. All um, I care about, honey, is the open bar. Just let's get this over with and point me in the direction. <laughs> Whatever you want. Yes, dear. I got the yes, dear down. So, identifying triggers, self compassion. And self-honesty, very, very important components. And then having some alternatives put in place so that, and what I mean by plan B is that's my net. So I go, I really want to do it this way. If all goes well, we're going to do it this way. But if I have to shuck over here or jive over here, then I've got my plan B that we can get into still have happy clients, I still have happy me. I'm probably taking a nap by then, you know, and on my road, on my way back. What doesn't help is to continually come up against that wall. But I, but I want to also challenge that thought with you too, because if you limit yourself too much, then how do you know where the real boundaries are. So I think another thing that's very difficult is that we have to temper having these boundaries with still needing to push on them every once in a while. Yeah. And my wife has been really good for me in that regard because she's good at yeah. pointing out to me when it seems like I'm not making an effort because of fear, as opposed to a legitimate limitation. Oh, that's excellent. And that's she'll an excellent challenge point. me. She'll say, you know what? It doesn't even seem like you're willing to try here. Oh, she sounds like an angel. I oh, and her. she's also an ass but, kicker. There yeah, are times when she but. can be the tenderest thing in the world, and she'll sit there and hug me as I cry. Or she'll just say, Bri, your head's up your ass. Come on, man. You can you, you can do more <laughs> than this. And honestly, you know, oh, if she wasn't there pushing me, there... You know, there's a lot of things I probably wouldn't be doing. Well, I understand that. And I and what I love is that when you're around people that treat you like a quote unquote normal person, they expect you to get up and go get that plate in the kitchen. Well, not only a they normal person, she sees me as a capable person. A capable person. Thank you. That's the that's why I put that in. In quotes, because I didn't and like that. Don't yeah, call me handy capable. I will bite your ankles. Oh, and don't. Uh, what is the other one that I freaking hate? Differently able. Oh, yes. Don't don't call me differently able. Yeah, call me Just Brian. Like okay, that's. Work. Yeah, and it. You know what? But it's okay to say I have a disability or I have an illness. It's okay to say that. Like I don't want to get messed up in semantics all day. But at the same time, like quit reinventing words that are just going to have the same stigma as the other words that we're trying to get away from. Well, not only that, when you come up with other language for it, you subconsciously are preventing yourself from seeing it directly. It's like yeah, you want to slap a coat of paint on it when the reality is, no, you have to have a real conversation about that. What does this mean? You gotta, yes, you got to have some primer on that yeah. sucker. And, and, and what does it mean? And the reason... The reason that we can't just switch out the words is because the work hasn't been done. We will continue to perpetuate the stigma because we haven't done the underlying work, like you're saying, like the foundation is well, shit. Well, not only that, but you when know? you use general language like that, it gives the illusion that the experience is the same, that it's universal with all those people. Yeah. No, some of Blair's yeah, MS true. is different than mine. There was somebody on Twitter that shared the interview and said, oh, how brave of her to show what an MS flare looks like. And I put underneath it, no, she showed what her MS flare looks like. My, my voice doesn't shake like that when I have a flare. 
When I have a flare, my face turns red. I have horrible tremoring. I can barely hold anything. I sure as hell couldn't sit up for an interview. I'd be in so much pain and so fatigued. I'd be in bed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and so this is part of peeling apart that stigma. Mm -hmm. Steps at a time. Get out there. Get out of your house. Go do your errand. Go fly. Go travel. Reinvent your life. And and there are no rules. And I think that's why it's hard for people is because we, we can't take this and put it in a box. We can't say, oh, these are disabilities. These are chronic illnesses. This is what it looks like. This is what it means. This is the only definition. Because there are multiple definitions. So people are constantly learning. So I think we have to cut them a break a little bit. I did not understand this whole reality until I was diagnosed. People don't know what they don't know. And there are too many people out there that the moment they're diagnosed, you can almost see the chip growing on their shoulder, you know, where they're looking to educate the public. And there (laughs) there are people that will self-appoint. Now that I have this diagnosis, it's my job to go out there and set the world straight and show them what it's really like to blah, 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 blah. And, you know, whatever they tell themselves and they end up coming off as arrogant and self-righteous when that is not their job. Their job is to live their life, be good to the people around them, be good to themselves, do their best. And if they happen to develop some kind of clear, enlightened perspective and they want to have a conversation with the person that they're interacting with at the moment, all the more power to them. But don't speak for the rest of us. No, because that is the same to me. That's infantilizing, too. You know, and we want to stay away from that. Infantilizing is treating somebody like an infant. And we want to stay away from that. And we've had to tread that balance as well. I know you have, too, because... Fragile little China at all. Yeah, I... Yeah, Way to number one, piss me off. <laughs> Assume I can do nothing. Because the other thing is, your wife didn't fall in love with your mobility. She wasn't like, man, I really I really love the gait you have when you walk. You know? Look she at the like, way your belly hangs over your belt. Oh, <laughs> I can't get enough of that. <laughs> like, your knees are in complete coordination. That I love so how hot. your kneecaps don't point forward like everyone else's do. I, I never know which like, way you're moving. You're so full of surprises. Yeah, seriously, like the loss of mobility, that that was not paramount in our relationship, really, like in my marriage, because that is not what he fell in love with. Well, and thank God and for so, that. I mean, I joke with my wife all the time. I said, man. When that judge said for better or for worse, he didn't tell us to read the fine print. No, he, no, he didn't. He was like, well, it's in the disclaimer. I hope you mean, I hope you mean this, ma'am, because you're about to get screwed. You are, exactly. So let's talk about that desk bed or the bed desk. Remember we saw oh, that Oh, that thing? cute little thing? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that, that was funny, wasn't it? It's just like a, how would you describe it? Oh, I get so nerdy when I see accommodations. <laughs> it, it's it's like when a computer guy he says oh man you should see this new video card they came up with oh man i can't wait to get my hands on that beauty you know and they're geeking I out over it. their tech and i see something that you you imagine it because you've never been in that situation before so you imagine you say man it'd be so nice if they had something for this and lo and behold it's been yeah. on the market for 10 years but you haven't needed it yet and you come across it and yeah. you're like christmas morning how soon can it be here? <laughs> That's so true. Like that reacher thing. Man, I love that thing. They're not made very well, though. Oh, those they things are so apart. fragile. You need to be able to get something heavy off the top shelf with one of those things. Yep. They can barely exactly. handle anything heavier than a Kleenex. I know. Exactly. Like, okay, here's this lightweight box. I suppose they don't want it to fall on your head, but... You know, we got to well, get honestly, stuff down. the damage is done. You know, bring it on. It falls on my head, maybe yeah. it'll knock something back in place. Exactly. So, what people need to know is you actually can make a living and support a family 
in bed. And I'm not talking about. And we're not talking about prostitution. No, it's. Right, exactly. <laughs> Although that is good for Christmas money. But it, right, exactly. When you're in the, in the hole, just a little bit, dig out. Just put yourself out there. Yeah, be, be bold. Come on, we're living in a new century here. Be bold. Put on your put on your orange bag shirt. Get out yeah, there. Now, Grab your pole and you're gonna be you're gonna get a very interesting demographic when you're wearing the orange outfit. But <laughs> if they got money. <laughs> but you can make a yes, living you can. in yeah. your bed. In your bed. And um do you think that stigma needs to be broken? Do you think there is a stigma? There absolutely is a that? stigma because there are people that say you should never work in your room because you have to separate from work and you have to separate from life or you won't be able to go to sleep. <laughs> hey, I'm fatigued all the time. I got no problem going to sleep. Yeah. So, that, yeah, so that's exactly. not an issue. Not to mention being able to switch from work and, and home or everyday life, whatever that is, it's more a matter of mental discipline than anything. It's It doesn't have to always be this unconscious conditioning where your brain and your body knows that your room is for sleep and you cannot mess with that programming. BS. That's one way of looking at it. But for Spoonies like us, what helps me, because we have stairs and it is a Oh, yeah, I got stairs too. I totally understand. Yeah. And I'm like, I want everything on the same floor. I want the bathroom on the same floor. I want the kitchen on the same floor. So we do not have a main floor bathroom. We have the kitchens upstairs and then our bedroom and bathroom for our area are downstairs. And then we have another area upstairs for my daughter. But I have to decide, do I want to be near the kitchen or do I want to be near the bathroom? And like, what type of accommodations do I need that day? And sometimes it comes down to being able to put my feet all the way up and leaning back because I can't sit straight up like a person would yeah, in a chair it's all day. That it's exhausting. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God, Jinx. I, Chronic illness. I was jinx. fortunate in that I was recently gifted a lift recliner. Oh, you were. That's crazy. And it was only a month and a half old when I got it. Oh, that's wonderful. And man, is that thing a job. On the first floor, of course, and when I sit at my regular desk, which I, I'm sitting at now, I cannot elevate my legs. I can't support my upper body. So I don't last that long before I'm in pain and I'm exhausted yeah. and I need to lay down. Now that I have the lift chair and I can lean back in it, my upper body supported, I can elevate my legs, I can easily get two or three more hours out of the day. That is so... Fabulous. Yeah. I love that thing. One of my kids is sitting in that chair because it's so comfortable. I have to hold back from instigating the beating protocol. Because that, that's a big no-no. I know. And in that chair. Son, get up. Does I <laughs> that's my chair to fart in. Okay? Excuse me. It's <laughs> Literally. Privilege granted to only one person. So you can work in your bed. You can work in a chair. It's going to be a little Dr. Seussical musical. You can work in a bed. You can work in a chair. You can work over there. You can work anywhere in this life. It's not just, you know, it used to be like old timey old guard was butts in seats. And that's how they measured productivity. But you're saying this is a mindset. That's why you're called the mindset king. And so what do you do to get people into that mindset? Which mindset? That's a great one. I'll let you choose. Well, the mindset I want to get them into first is the fact that they can create their own path. It's not a matter of duplicating a guru. Because there are so many out there. Like I, I said earlier, the 10 steps, this, the 20 steps that you have to hustle. You have to work 15-hour days, and your family should almost never see you, and they should understand because you're a winner, you're a hustler, and I say to that, BS. It's all about are you creating the results you want, not how are you doing it. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, you have absolutely. to create your own how based on your unique collection of strengths and challenges and whether you have the resources to clone yourself like you have. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's a very bad cloning job right now. I'm just going to say, like, I need to work. Well, on that. that's not that's a reflection on my that's machine. Why they have plastic surgery. I'm not talking about Catherine. I'm talking about what? Yeah, so that's why they have plastic surgery. But well, here a little tough there. <laughs> now you look like God. We could not do uh, cloning over here. Seriously, they'd be like, "Well, you enhanced that feature. Let's let's dial back on that the next time." The sarcasm meter needs to come down on that one. Okay, let's do so. That no, that's a reflection on me, not on Catherine. Catherine is my is my everything. She is um, amazing, and so I well, maybe we should clone Catherine. We should clone Catherine. Everybody needs a Catherine. That's what I've said. My sister, my sister, my daughter, and that's that uh, me searching for words thing. My daughter um, told me the other day I found my Catherine because she understands the friendship and I've melted into a puddle. Well, I hope it doesn't raise the bar too high for this person she met. No, I, I, I think she's I think she's got it because, you know, raising kids in the midst of all this, teaches them compassion. Oh, my and, boys are uh, such sweethearts. You know, I'm so yeah. proud of the compassion when I see it from them. Absolutely. So we want to, let's drill this down into five things, because everybody loves a listicle. But right? see, I don't remember any more than three things at a time, and that's on a good day. But see, I got the other two. Remember? No, like, we're, we're lifting each other up. It's all good. You, do you? What's that? You're do you. I can't count on those extra two things all the time. But since we have have each other now, we will coordinate our efforts. We will synergize and we will come up with five things. Synergize. Exactly. So when you're starting your business, no, I'm going to take that back. When you're on the roller coaster, so you could just be starting or you could be in the midst of business or whatever, but you're on that roller coaster Five ways to get off or to graduate to the kitty roller coaster. Am I supposed to start with the two things? If you have two things. Well, the, the <laughs> first thing you got to decide, you know, whether you have challenges or not is what difference are you going to make in the world? What are you showing up to create? Are you bringing more compassion to the world? Are you showing people the path to confidence? Are you going to help them? you know, increase their bottom line by such and such an amount, be clear on that first so that all of your efforts can target that. That's true. We need to really drill down into exactly what we're putting out. I've said exactly like 57,000 times today. Now people are going to go back and be like, it's a drinking game. You see people out there, they're the Tony Robbins of the world that want to be the one-stop shop for everything. And when you're a Spoonie, I don't know if we've introduced that term yet, and when you're a spoonie, yes. pick one thing. You're not teaching 10 things. You're teaching one thing. We have to get out of that mentality of we always have to be like the other person. So be aware of what your mission is. Lead with value. And so everything else that you make a decision on comes back to that. So... If you're tired, I like to say, what's the price, too, as I'm going along? What is the price for this? I'm constantly assessing. Um, if I'm too tired and I push that, is the price worth it? You know, because we're not, I'm, I don't have a disease that is, uh, hopefully it won't kill me. Like, right away it won't kill me. Maybe, maybe later, but we're all going to die of something. But I have to assess, do you want to deal with the after effects of that. So take a look at what you're doing now and what's the price for that. Do you want to outsource something because you need to go rest? That's okay. Do you want to push through because you know you have a pocket of time afterwards where you can recoup a little bit? That's okay too. But it's learning to almost non-emotionally assess those things. Like, oh, I'm feeling this. This is what I do when I do that. When I feel this way, I make this choice. And it can be pretty concrete. You know, it's just like you say, it's a, it's a cost-benefit analysis. 
What's it going to cost me if I try and push through this? What am I going to gain if I rest instead? And typically when I try to push through it so that I can be a macho ego person, I pay for it for two days where I am more sluggish because I push through it. You know, I have a harder time getting started. There was, I think, beginning of the week, I can't remember what happened, but I, I overdid it the day before. And the next morning I was so exhausted. I had to go back to bed and I didn't wake up till 1130. Yeah. That's the cost benefit analysis. And sometimes we don't get that right. And that's okay. Sometimes it just sneaks up on you. It does sneak up on you. Exactly. So it's a cost benefit analysis in energy. And I love that. I love being able to, like you said, just it's black and white. Something you just said there is an important note. The people that are typical, that don't have the challenges that we do, say that Mm -hmm. the most valuable resource is time. For us, that is not Mm -hmm. true. The most valuable resource is energy. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. When I talk to my clients and we're talking about services that they can use, I'll say to them, do you have more time resources or do you have more money resources? Whichever resource is greater is what I recommend that you do in this capacity. And so we have to do that with energy. And we also have to make sure that's where this plan B comes in. So always have that plan B. It's kind of a pain in the butt because you have to be like, oh, I'm going to do this. This is my plan A. Okay, here's my plan B. Let's clarify what's meant by plan B. In the typical world again, and this doesn't go for everybody. This is just based on what I've seen. When they think of plan B, they think about what can we do instead of our original plan? Like do something completely yeah, different. For us, plan B is how can we how can we continue to aim at the same outcome, but do it differently? Mm-hmm. Yes. How can we continue to aim at the same outcome? How can we preserve our energy and our health And this is an exercise in trust, too, because a lot of times you have to bring in other people and you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with that letting go. So I think the third part of this would be learning to let go. And and there's some ego involved in there, like I have to do everything and, um, you know, I'm the only one providing value and whatever. You have to learn to let those things go. And as a Spoonie, you should be getting good at that. Anyways. Yeah, there's this nonsensical I mean, belief that if I don't succeed alone, it doesn't count. Yes. And the reality yes. is you exactly. never succeed alone. That is an illusion. You, do, you don't ever succeed alone, even if you've got a team like in the mm-hmm. background and nobody ever sees them, they're still supporting you. So we'll make sure that we have this list out. But I think to round out, or are we on four or five? I can't remember. <laughs> It's increasing in number. I think we just finished three. Okay. All right. And so um, breaking the stigma of being able to work where you want is another one. And continually making sure that you're reinforcing in your mind, it's okay to work where you can work. Now you talked about location, like in the house or? Yes. Are you talking about something? No, I was just clarifying what you were talking about. (laughs) <laughs> but you, you, yeah, you're, you're so absolutely you right. And and it's not only, you know, one rule that I break a lot because I meditate every morning is sometimes I meditate laying down and there are some that say, oh, you can't do that. You'll fall asleep. I don't because I know how to meditate. Right. So you, you got to give yourself those freedoms without thinking, oh, I'm a failure at this. I'm such a slacker. I'm not doing it the right way. And I think that's number five. Number five is whatever way works for you that isn't harming other people, that isn't straying from your original goal, that that's what you need to choose. Whatever works for you is okay. Are you getting the result you want and are you getting it ethically? Yes, absolutely. Then go for it. Brian, what an amazing show with you. Every time we get together, we always just 
dive a little deeper. What did we say the one time where a seven layer surprise cake or something like oh, that? I don't I know, but, but suddenly I'm we... hungry. I know. Well, you and I have a tremendous synergy. We have such similar philosophies, obviously similar senses of humor. And <laughs> when we, we get together and just start bouncing energy off each other, wonderful things happen. It really does. It really does. Thank you so much for being Always on the a show. pleasure. Radical simplicity in business, cost benefit analysis in energy, nerding out on accommodations. Is the hustle mentality hurting you? Just some snippets from today's show. Many thanks to Brian King for being on Sick Biz Buzz again. He is a model of resilience and innovation, not to mention positive AF and funny AF. Literally always finding ways to locate that positive shine in any situation while letting other people know it's okay to have a hard day and acknowledge your feelings as he does. Brian helps people in our community to start, stabilize, and grow their businesses. He is the champ when it comes to work smarter, not harder, and knows all the life hacks for working with diseases that can seriously cramp your style. To get in touch with Brian, please visit themindsetking.com. Oh, that's my Elvis impression. Before I let you go, I want to invite you to head to barnesandnoble.com and buy my book for heck's sake, Six Success, The Entrepreneur's Prescriptions for Turning Pain into Purpose and Profit is an Amazon bestseller. Woohoo! And I would love your support. If you've read it, Please do me a solid and leave me a review so other people can read it. Other people can get help as well. That's it for today's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Until next time, be well.